Good evening. Appreciate you being here tonight as we continue our study in the life of Christ. If you're following along in the curriculum, we are in lesson number 70 tonight. Number 70. Or if you just want to follow along in the Bible, we'll still be in Luke chapter 12. Uh, This time we'll be covering verses 35 through 48. Uh, Luke chapter 12, verse 35 through 48. And just to catch us up on uh, where we are in the life of Christ, uh, if you weren't here Sunday morning or we're in another class, uh, we looked at a lesson, uh, guess what, on materialism, on giving. Uh, It was kind of the theme the past couple of weeks, and it just so happened that's where we landed in uh, our life of Christ study. And so remember, Jesus had that lunch with that Pharisee. We, We did that class a couple of weeks ago. And right from there, uh, he goes on to, into a big discussion. Remember, he's uh, speaking in front of a, over a th- thousands of people, actually. It says there in Luke chapter 12, verse 1. There's thousands of people here gathered together to hear Jesus, uh, so much so that they were stepping on one another, it says. So he's got quite a crowd uh, to uh, preach the lessons that he has for them. And if you recall, uh, you know, he, he began talking about warning them against the the leaven of the Pharisees, which uh, he refers to as hypocrisy. You know, beware of the Pharisees. I know, uh, you know, he tells the people, I know uh, you look up to them, but there's something uh, much more to them, and uh, you need to beware of, you know, their their alternative motives. And so, uh, as he's giving this lesson about them, he makes mention there, or uh, excuse me, another person speaks up, and says, uh, Jesus, tell my brother to split the inheritance with me. And that probably came uh, maybe uh, not such a, um, you know, a pleasant thing for Jesus to hear. He's preaching uh, the word to the people, and he's hoping that his message is going to penetrate their hearts. And yet this man speaks up and says, uh, tell my brother to split the inheritance with me. You know, obviously that guy wasn't listening to what Jesus was trying to get through to them. And so Jesus from there goes on and gives uh, this parable of the rich fool. Uh, it's often referred to as the rich fool. And this was a man, a farmer, a businessman, who we're told had a very successful year. Uh, so much so the, the ground was very productive for him. And so what he did was he took his barns, he tore them down, he built up nicer, bigger barns to store all of his crops uh, for years to come, and he gets very relaxed, right? He says, uh, he says to himself, soul, take your ease, uh, be merry, uh, and uh, just, you know, go on with life. Uh, but of course, in that parable, God comes to that man, uh, and, and, you know, he says, you fool, uh, your soul is required of you this very hour. And so, uh, you know, the parable sort of ends there with this man uh, dying and, you know, losing all of those things that he worked for. And we wanted to make the point that, you know, it wasn't that the, what, the problem was wasn't that this man was uh, productive or successful. But the problem was is that he lacked a lot of uh, values. Um, he was very self-centered, wasn't he? We kept seeing over and over how he said, I, 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 or me, 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 my, my, my. That kept coming up over and over again. And, you know, he even thought that he could satisfy his soul with these physical things. 
right? Uh, his crops and all of these things that he had to store up for time to come. And he even thought he had everything under control, that he was probably going to live uh, for, uh, continue on living. He had no expectation of dying that very night. And so uh, this man was somebody who, again, although he was very successful, he did not have God uh, in the center of his life. He didn't have God uh, number one. And so we notice there that um, you know, the, the, here's a le- another lesson on materialism. You know, we've been saying that for the past couple of weeks, that the Bible is filled with these lessons. And again, this lesson is needed more today than, uh, you know, in my estimation, more than, you know, 100, 200 years ago. Because we're living in a society that is filled with stuff. People are obsessed with stuff. And uh, the point that I uh, kind of uh, ended our class on uh, on Sunday morning Uh, was this quote that I heard a preacher once say. He said, Christians give up things that we cannot keep in order to lay hold of things we cannot lose. I just think that's such a powerful uh, statement to think about. That Again, Christians give up things that we cannot keep in order to lay hold of things that we cannot lose. So again, here's another uh, great message from the scriptures about uh, about, uh, keeping God number one uh, and... Um, focusing on him. And so we're going to continue on here in Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 35. And he's going to shift gears. Uh, He's got a new subject to uh, talk about here, and that's about being ready. Think of uh, back to our grade school days. Uh, How many of you uh, had to take tests? You know, that's probably all of us, right? You remember taking tests in school? Studying for tests? Um, how do you know if you were ready to take a test? Take practice test. Okay, you practiced? We never did that no practice test. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. But we study, right? We, we prepare for tests. So we, we never like to have those pop quizzes or uh, tests that uh, we don't prepare for, but, um, you know, not that this has happened to you, but can you think of a test that maybe you thought you were prepared for, but when you came to, or you went to take it, maybe you failed, Uh, maybe you didn't do as hot as you thought you would have? Never. Never? Oh, I'm sure it's happened to some of us, right? Okay, yeah, so... um, so here's, here's the question tonight. Here's the, uh, the ultimate question that we're going to uh, kind of uh, think about tonight is, are we ready for that ultimate test? Are we ready for that test? Are we ready for when Jesus returns? And uh, um, are, are we waiting? I mean, do you get up in the morning uh, thinking uh, this could be the day? This could be the day that, you know, you hear the trumpet sound. Um, do you? We should. We should. We do. Yeah. Yeah. We should. Um, is there? Do you guys hear feedback? A little bit. Oh, I think we're good. Are, is it bothering anybody else? Okay. I, we're good. We're good. Okay. So, are we waiting for that moment? Right. Are we waiting for that ultimate test? And. Uh, you know, Jesus is going to stress that very thing here in the next few verses. 
Um, again, remember, he's talking to thousands of people, right? He's got all these people around him, and uh, he just gave a message on being rich towards God and not uh, of things of this earth. And here he goes to uh, teach this new thought. And, you know, this is a lesson that is going to be pretty prevalent uh, coming up in you know, the, the lessons to come. You know, this isn't the only time Jesus is going to tell his disciples to be prepared for his return. But this is really, uh, I think this is probably the first time that we've seen this so far. So let's uh, look at these following verses. Really, we're going to uh, break these down into uh, four different uh, parables, if you will. They're very short, uh, very concise. And so let, let's look at these. Uh, I Actually, you know, when I was studying this, you know, I did, never really thought of these uh, verses as parables, uh, but the curriculum uh, talk, er, uh, breaks these out into four uh, different parables. But again, some of them are only a verse, and so they aren't great in length. But can you also think of some uh, parables that Jesus is going to teach uh, about being ready that are probably a little bit more fresh on our minds or more prevalent on our minds? Okay, yeah, the talents. Yeah, Matthew 25, and right before he does the the parable of the talents. Do you remember that parable as well of of, uh, ten individuals? Yeah, the ten virgins. And so uh, maybe when we think of being ready and being prepared, those uh, parables come to mind. Uh, They're a lot more memorable to us. There's a lot more uh, distinction to them. Uh, But again, here in Luke chapter 12, he's got these really short and concise ones. Uh, that maybe we don't normally think as parables, but let, let's spend some time here studying uh, these verses. So let's read uh, verses 35 through 38, and uh, Luke here records, Be dressed in readiness, and keep your lamps lit. Be like men who are waiting for their master when he returns from the wedding feast, so that they may immediately open the door to him when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those slaves whom the master will find on the alert when he comes. Truly, I say to you that he will gird himself to serve and have them recline at the table and will come up and wait on them, whether he comes in the second watch or even in the third and finds them so. Blessed are those slaves. Okay, so here is the first parable. And really the message here is be on the alert. Be on the alert. Uh, you've got here servants that were ready for their master's return, uh, even though they don't know when that's going to happen. And verse 35 is uh, interesting. Um, you know, my translation, again, says, be dressed in readiness. Uh, but yours might say something like, uh, uh, let your waists be girded, or let your loins be girded. What's that in reference to? Okay, but specifically, what is, uh, what is you know, Jesus saying uh, when he says, you know, let your waist be girded? It's, I know it's archaic language, and we don't use that, but... Okay, yeah, so uh, we, we transport ourselves back into the first century, and are people walking around in blue jeans and t-shirts? No, they're, what are they wearing? Robes, tunics, uh, you know, whatever you want to refer to them, you know, basically sort of a, a one long piece. 
of clothing. And, uh, and so obviously it's going from, you know, the top of their shoulders all the way to their legs. And, you know, if you're going to run in a tunic, is that going to be uh, an easy task? It's not, is it? Because it's going to, you know, kind of uh, keep your legs from, you know, getting uh, stretched out or anything like that. And so when the Bible talks about, you know, girding your loins, uh, it's referring to, you know, hiking up that tunic that you're wearing, hiking it up and maybe tying it off with a belt or, you know, tying it off with the fabric itself. And, you know, now you've got the ability to run, right? And now uh, you can be prepared to take off. You know, you're not going to be uh, held back by your, your a long tunic. And so, you know, th- this is a concept that we see throughout Scripture uh, but again, the idea is to let your, uh, let your loins be girded, right? Be prepared to, uh, for action. Uh, and then he also says, uh, keep your lamps lit. Again, be ready for when your master returns. Uh, don't be worried about things like food and clothing. You know, Jesus has already told us that he's going to take care of those things. But re- be ready. And again, you know, I think I mentioned this already, but... You know, is that what we wake up to uh, every morning, uh, to that idea of, you know, are we prepared today? Are we ready? Is this going to be the day? And if it is going to be the day, are we ready for his return? Now, is Jesus saying that we literally need to be uh, dressed in, you know, running gear or, you know, have our front porch light on uh, ready for Jesus? Is, is, is this a literal? Okay. Yeah, this is it's more figurative, right? Uh, be ready. And so uh, just like they would have in the first century uh, ha- would have needed to have their, um, their lamps ready to be lit and to be able to gird up their uh, loins to take off, again, you and I need to be ready as well. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of kids probably do this, you know, but I can think of, you know, Parker... Uh, my son, uh, during soccer season that he's doing, uh, you know, he gets excited for the game the next day. And so, um, you know, sometimes he'll get his uniform and he'll sleep in his uniform, right? Because he's so excited for, to get up the next day to go play uh, the game. And, you know, again, that's sort of the thought that I get when, uh, you know, when Jesus here is saying, uh, gird up your loins, be ready uh, in what you are, um, you know, what you're wearing, right? Uh, Spiritual preppers, right? Uh, we need to be spiritual preppers. We need to be prepared for this day, be ready for it, and uh, because we know it is coming. Uh, verse 37 is an interesting verse that we just read because it said, again, let me read this. It says, Blessed are those slaves whom the master will find on the alert when he comes. And truly, I say to you that he will gird himself to serve and have them recline at the table and will come and wait on them. What does Jesus here mean about the master is going to uh, dress and serve his servants? Maybe Jesus down for our sins and prepared way to heaven? Yeah. Is that an odd saying to say, uh, you know, maybe your boss is going to serve you or... Uh, in this case, uh, the, the, the master is going to serve his servants. Is that a bit odd? Yes. It is, isn't it? Do we see Jesus in Scripture serving uh, his disciples? 
Yeah, he got down and washed their feet, didn't he? That was in John uh, chapter 13. And so Jesus is going to reward everyone who, uh, who is ready for his return. You know, that's what he's saying here. Uh, I'm going to be ready to serve those who are going to be ready uh, for my return. And so, again, be on the alert. Uh, let's look at this next one, verses 39 and 40. But be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have allowed his house to be broken into. You too be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. Okay, so we had uh, be on the alert, and now we have be expectant. Be expectant. Uh, Do thieves... Uh, normally let us know when they're coming by. They're going to announce beforehand. No, they're not, are they? And, uh, you know, also think about the first century, uh, the homes in the first century. You know, we don't have, uh, you know, construction, of course, as, as we do today. Uh, but homes would have been built with, you know, maybe uh, stone or clay and, uh, you know, it would be pretty easy to uh, sort of break into someone's home, right? Because you could just you know, probably put your hand right through their wall. Or even the roofs, uh, know, were also made of clay or, or thatch or some sort of, um, you know, uh, type of thing like that. And so uh, it was easy enough to break into and plunder, right? Uh, but Jesus, again, says here we need to be expectant. Uh, be expectant of these things. Uh, again, the head of the house, ha- if, he, if the head of the house had known what hour the thief was coming, he wouldn't have let, uh, allowed his home to be broken into. And again, uh, a thief is not going to announce his arrival. Um, again, this, this parable is pretty brief, right? It's pretty short and, and to the point. You and I take precautions, don't we, uh, with our homes? We do, don't we? we uh, when we leave the home, what do we usually do? Lock the door. Lock the door. Uh, when we go to bed at night, what do we usually do? It's probably the same thing. Lock, make sure everything's locked up, right? Because, again, we don't know when that thief is going to show up. We, we just don't know. And so we take those precautions. We get ready. Uh, we get expectant of those things just in case. Um, again, we are not going to know when that time is of Christ's return. And it's going to be interesting in these next few verses because Peter is going to ask a question. Uh, again, Peter, right? Peter is always asking questions. And, and Peter has, uh, he has a question to Jesus about the specific parable that, or uh, verse that Jesus just gives. And he's going to ask, uh, Lord, was this message for us or was this for everybody? Um, and Jesus is going to let us know that. So let, let's read those verses, uh, verse 41 through 46. Peter said, Lord, are you addressing this parable to us or to everyone else as well? And the Lord said, who then is the faithful and sensible steward whom his master will put in charge of his servants to give them their rations at the proper time? Blessed is that slave whom his master finds so doing when he comes. 
Truly I say to you that he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But if that slave says in his heart, my master will be a long time in coming and begins to beat the slaves, both men and women, and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that slave will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. Okay, so uh, this uh, next parable, parable number three, uh, Jesus is saying, uh, be responsible, be responsible. Uh, he's making really a, you know, a clear point here on what it means to be ready and prepared. Right? We all have a responsibility to be ready and to be prepared, and we have that choice, right? We can either slack off or we can stay on the alert. As a, a parent, you know, have you ever left your uh, children at home and uh, told them that, uh, you know, you're going to be gone for a while, but here's a list of chores that you need to do, and I'm not going to tell you when I'm coming back, but just know that there are going to be consequences that when I get home and they're not done, uh, you know, you're going to be in big trouble. Have we ever done that? Maybe a good way to... Um, get them to do those chores. Uh, you know, that's sort of the concept we have here, right? You have a choice to either uh, do those things that your parents laid out for you to do or don't do them and accept the consequences. And so uh, if the servant was faithfully fulfilling his responsibility when his master returned, Jesus said that he's going to be rewarded, right? The faithful servant is preparing for his master's return. You know, that's what he's doing. He's waiting for his master to return home, he's preparing for that. Uh, and if he's not doing that, then what's he doing according to this parable? He's taking advantage of his master's trust. Uh, you know, he's indulging in his master's property. And uh, you know, that's sort of the old saying, right? When, when the cat's away, the mice will play, right? And, uh, and so we have the master, he's gone, you know, of course, you know, that rep represents uh, for us right now, you know, Jesus has gone back, ascended to the Father. We know he's going to return at some point, but we don't know when that's going to be. And what are we going to do in that time, meanwhile? You know, we, we, are we going to be like the slave here that's working uh, for the master and preparing for that day? Or are we going to be the slave that's slacking off and, again, taking advantage of all of those things? Let me see that verse again, verse uh, forty. So it says, uh, the slave says in his heart, my master will be a long time coming. And so he begins to beat the slaves, both men and women, and eat and drink and get drunk. And the master of that slave will come on a day when he does not expect him and an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. You know, again, that servant was uh, abusing uh, his master's authority and Jesus said that he's going to be severely uh, beaten because of, or punished because of that. And so we see uh, he had a heart problem, right? It said right there in that verse, uh, again, that um, says, but if that slave says in his heart, right? So it starts in the heart. He has a heart problem. Uh, he procrastinates. He's mistreating others. He's indulging in the flesh. And when we get to verse 48, we'll also notice that he was ignorant of things as well. Um, but the master exacts horrific punishment on the slave. 
You know, this is probably one of the most graphic illustrations uh, that we have in the Gospels on uh, eternal uh, judgment. Right? So, you know, sometimes the Bible says, well, you know, you're going to be cast into the darkness, there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth, uh, those types of things. Uh, but here it says that this individual is going to be cut into pieces. Right? That's pretty uh, graphic there, the, this description of, of one who's going to be um, uh, ascent um, into eternal judgment. And, you know, this is, it's really, uh, you know, it's Old Testament language. Right? You know, we can find, we can uh, read about instances in the Old Testament, First uh, Samuel 15, verse 33, for instance, of, uh, I think this was when Saul uh, says that he cut up King Agag. And so, uh, you know, Jesus is using, again, Old Testament references here uh, to uh, get the people to uh, understand, again, the severity of what the master is going to do to that individual who's not ready, who's uh, not prepared for his uh, return. Uh, let's look at the, the last two verses, uh, verse 47 and 48. So, uh, Again, this is going to be continuing this theme of being responsible. But again, uh, the, the curriculum breaks this up into a fourth parable. Uh, and it says, And that slave who knew his master's will and did not get ready or act in accord with his will will receive many lashes. But the one who did not know it and committed deeds worthy of a flogging will receive but few. From everyone who has been given much, much will be required, and to whom they entrusted much, of him they will ask all the more. Think of uh, in our judicial system today, uh, do we have more severe punishments for different crimes? <laughs> yeah, well, it appears that way in some places in the United States that, uh, you know, if you do something that was pretty severe a couple of years ago, you just get a slap on the wrist now, right? But, uh, you know, overall, the, the, right, the, uh, we do, right? Uh, someone that commits, um, you know, a violent crime versus a white-collar crime, you know, the punishment might be a little bit more severe for the person that commits the violent crime uh, versus the one who commits... The, the white-collar crime, uh, petty th theft versus armed robbery. Again, there, there's a difference in the, in the, type, of, um, uh, the type of punishment that's one's given. Involuntary manslaughter uh, versus murder. Again, usually in the court systems, they will uh, take those things into account. And even in a, in a murder case, right, they're even going to uh, say, okay, that was first degree or second degree or third degree. And so we understand that there is that, uh, that um, thought in our, our, uh, our law system that there are going to be uh, different, um, different punishments depending on the, the type of uh, act that was committed. Well, is there a difference between those who have been given opportunities to understand God's will and to those who have not had as many. According to this, yes. Yeah, yeah. Did, did you catch that here in, uh, uh, well, let's read it again. Verse 47, 48. And that slave who knew his master's will and did not get ready 
or act in accord with his will will receive many lashes. But the one who did not know it and committed deeds worthy of a flogging will receive but few. Right, so you got, you got two servants, two slaves here. One who knew what to do but didn't do it. And Jesus said he's going to receive a much harsher penalty. And then you've got one who uh, didn't do what he should have done, but he didn't know uh, that he should have done it. And he's going to receive a penalty as well. It's not going to be as severe as this one, uh, but he's still going to receive uh, that penalty. One's going to be beaten with many stripes, while the other's going to be beaten with a few. What does that mean? What's Jesus um, getting across here about these two individuals? Yeah, I think so. Uh, You've got one who had knowledge of the situation. Uh, He knew what he should have been doing. Uh, He knew that he should have been getting ready, be treating, you know, the master's uh, property and respect those things, but he didn't do it. Uh, Versus someone who uh, maybe um, didn't know all the rules and regulations that his master had laid out for him, uh, but yet he still uh, disobeyed. And, uh, but his level of punishment doesn't seem to be as severe. You know, the Bible talks about this in, in some other places. Uh, let me, I think we have some time to go to some of these. Uh, but in uh, Psalm, uh, for instance, uh, Psalm 19, notice uh, this description of uh, the sin here that David is writing about. Psalm 19, verses 12 and 13. Uh, He says here, who can discern his errors? Acquit me of hidden faults. Also, keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not rule over me. Uh, Then I will be blameless and I shall be acquitted of great transgressions. In this prayer that David is giving, uh, he says here that he breaks out uh, sin in kind of a couple of different categories. He says, uh, again, acquit me of hidden faults. You know, those things that uh, are, uh, you know, we might refer to them as sins of ignorance. Uh, again, like this slave that we read about here in Luke 16, or excuse me, Luke 12, uh, hidden faults. Don't let me fall into these hidden faults. But then also he talks about these presumptuous sins, uh, sins that are willful. Uh, you know that you're doing wrong. And so uh, David is praying on behalf of that. Uh, Hebrews uh, chapter 10 discusses this idea as well. Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 26. This is going to um, categorize the, the law of Moses and, uh, the, and the law of Christ. Uh, so the Old Testament, the New Testament. And the Hebrews writer here says in Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 26, for if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, But a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire which will consume the adversaries, anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. 
How much severe punishment do you think he will deserve who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has insulted the Spirit of grace? The Hebrews writer here is saying, uh, you know, those who lived and died under uh, the the law of Moses, you know, they've got that. But those of us who live under the new covenant, you know, how much more severe is it going to be for those who uh, know the new covenant, but yet uh, don't follow the new covenant? Or who uh, trample under the foot the Son of God and has regarded unclean the blood of his covenant? Remember in Matthew chapter 11, when Jesus is uh, speaking uh, about the, the cities that he is at? And he is, uh, you know, preaching at uh, Chorazin, Bethsaida. And he says, you know, if the miracles that had occurred in Tyre and Sidon, uh, which, occur- which uh, occurred uh, in you, they would have repented long ago. He said he performed miracles here. Uh, and if a place as wicked as Sidon and, and Tyre uh, would have seen those miracles take place, they would have repented and so Jesus here says, Nevertheless, I say to you that it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. Right? There, it's going to be more tolerable for uh, this group of people than uh, another. Second uh, Peter chapter 2, verse 20 and 21 talks about uh, how it would be better for them who have not known the way of righteousness uh, than those who knew it and turned away from those holy commandments. Again, it appears that uh, the punishment, if you will, the punishment of one who became a Christian and then left is going to be you know, much more severe than someone who never became a Christian at all. Oh, have you ever heard that debate before of, you know, there's um, you know, maybe a tribe in the, the, the Amazon rainforest and uh, you know, maybe there's a tribe of 10 people and uh, they've never, no one's ever penetrated into that area, knew that they existed and, you know, they never had the gospel. And so the kind of the question, uh, the question comes up is what's going to happen to them? Right? They never had a chance to hear the gospel. Have you ever heard that debate before? Possibly. Yeah. And so what about them? What about those people who have never heard the gospel preached to them? And, um, and we know the Bible says that all sin and all fall short. And uh, some, may, some are going to say, well, you know what? God's not going to do anything to them. They never had a chance. Right? But doesn't the Bible still say that all have fallen short of the glory of God? All have sinned. All fall short. But, uh, you know, maybe... Maybe, you know, we can kind of put them in the place of that first, or excuse me, of that second servant that Jesus talks about here in Luke chapter 12, who was ignorant of the situation. And maybe his punishment or their punishment's not going to be uh, as harsh. Well, what, what, I know we have a few seconds left, but what is that punishment do you think he's referring to? It, you know, obviously he's, re- he's referring to eternal punishment, right? Uh, hell. And... Uh, is he saying that there are going to be some who are going to get a hotter fire than another? Or do you think this is something else? 
degrees of punishment. Well, if, going back to this uh, account here in Luke chapter 12, uh, I'm thinking that it's going to be uh, those who had the knowledge that if they would have accepted the gospel, listened to the gospel, they wouldn't have to be there. And it's going to be a lot tougher for them, you know, to be there. Uh, the, punishment, the punishment, you know, if you will, is going to be a lot tougher for them uh, because they had a chance to... Um, obey the gospel.